want to welcome you to Sunset International Institute of Bible Study. We're going to be looking at Bible history, the Old Testament Bible history, in two sections. We will deal with the history of the Hebrew family and the history of the Hebrew nation. And that also will be followed by Bible History 3, which is a history of Christ, the Gospels, and the church, the book of Acts. We welcome you to settle down and settle back for a long study of Old Testament history. Many times people want to know, why should we study the Old Testament? There sometimes seems to be a reluctance to study the Old Testament because the law has ceased to be in effect. But the Old Testament is much more than the law. It is the history of God's dealing with His creation. The creation itself and then the sovereign providence of God as He deals with, as He works with man and the creation called the earth. In today's lesson, we want to look primarily for most of our time at seven reasons for studying Old Testament history so that we'll know from the beginning that our study has purpose, aim, and that we have goals that we're trying to reach. And we'll also present just a very brief three-point outline of the, old, of the whole Bible history, Old and New Testament. And then day by day, lesson by lesson, we will work out that Old Testament timeline in the providence of the purpose of God. But why should we study Old Testament? And particularly, why should we study Old Testament history? I want to give you what I believe are seven good reasons that make it absolutely essential, required, that we study Old Testament history. If you don't have an outline for this course, you really need one. And if the sponsor of the program where you are does not have one, would you please write us at the address that will be at the end of this tape and make sure that you have an outline because we'll be referring to that outline and you'll need to take the points on that outline that we do not have time to cover on the tape and study them out for yourself. And the ones that we do, study more deeply so that God can have the work in your life of making you the mature, effective, and fruitful servant of God that you can be. But now, seven reasons why. We study Old Testament history. Number one, to gain wisdom and to gain equipment for every good work. Now, today's lesson will entail a lot of reading from your Bible, particularly from the New Testament. So turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and let's start reading with verse 10. And let's notice a definite reason why we need to study the Old Testament history. Here's Paul's charge to Timothy, his son in the gospel. He says, you, however, know all about my... This is verse 10, 2 Timothy 3, verse 10. You, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance, my persecutions and sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact... Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted while evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. I want to stop there for a moment. I stopped in verse 13. I want you to notice that Paul told Timothy, you know. So he'd already learned from Paul his teaching, the way he lived, his purpose, the faith he had, the patience. So Timothy knew. He also knew 
that knowing about Christ and wanting to live for Christ resulted in persecutions. There was an alternative, and that was being wicked and going from worse to worse. Now, in verse 14, he stresses Timothy's knowledge of the Old Testament as being sufficient and necessary to make him wise unto salvation. Verse 14, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. Now, when Paul writes this epistle, most of the New Testament had not been gathered. Most of it had not been written. Some of it had. The Holy Scriptures that Timothy could know from infancy, from a baby, was the old, what we call the Old Testament Scriptures. Now, notice, from infancy, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. That's verse 15. Stop with me there for a moment and think about what he said. He said that if he knew the old, he had known, and therefore if we know, the Old Testament Scriptures, those Old Testament Scriptures are able to make us wise unto salvation or for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now there's the Old and New Testament put together. The Old Testament scriptures are able to make us wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. It's the Gospels and the rest of the New Testament that gives us faith in Jesus. So a knowledge of the Old Testament coupled with faith that the New Testament generates, generates is able to make Timothy and therefore me and you wise unto salvation. Now notice why in verse 16. He says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now back in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 5, when he speaks of the elders being worthy of double honor and that sort of thing, he says we're supposed to support the elders that labor in word and teaching, for the Scripture says, the Scripture says, thou shalt not muzzle the ox when he treads out the corn. That's the book of Deuteronomy. And the laborer is worthy of his hire. That's Luke 10, verse 8. I hope you go back and look at that passage in 1 Timothy 5 and see that Paul makes Scripture, both Deuteronomy and Luke, that had begun to be circulated by the time Paul wrote 1 Timothy. So the scripture that's God-breathed is both the Old and the New Testament. And the idea of God-breathed is not that God breathed on it or God breathed into it, but it's that God breathed it out. The scripture is God's breath. It is his expiration. And it is Old Testament scripture and New Testament scripture combined that can make us wise unto salvation and thoroughly equipped unto every good work. We are not equipped for all the good work that God wants us to do if all we know is the New Testament. We must also know the Old. That's why we study Old Testament history. A second reason, you'll find over in Acts chapter 3, among many other places, but I've chose Acts chapter 3 for our study today, you'll find that the Old Testament scripture number 2 not only makes us wise unto salvation, but it is the background for the study and the understanding of the New Testament. Excuse me, I've got a new Bible, and it's hard to turn the pages. In Acts chapter 3, beginning with verse 20, 
it says that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Now verse 24 is what we've come to read. Read verse 24 with me carefully. Indeed, all the prophets, all the prophets, from Samuel on, as many as have spoken, have foretold these days. All of the Old Testament prophets, from Samuel through all of the men that heard God and spoke for God and wrote for God, all of them told of these days. You cannot understand the new without understanding the old. For the new is the completion of the old. It is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies. It is the reality of all the Old Testament shadows. It is the explanation of all the Old Testament incompletions and it is the answer of all the Old Testament questions. The New Testament is understood based on the Old. That's the second reason we're going to study the Old Testament history. The third reason, and this is sort of a uh, fabulous thought, it points to Christ. The Old Testament scripture is a finger pointing that says someone is down the line. In John chapter 5, verse 39 Jesus is in an argument with the Sadducees and other Jews about his own right to be saying that he is God's son, that he is the son of man, that he is the Messiah, that he's the one they've been looking for. And in chapter 5 of John, verse 39, it says, You study the scriptures, or is a command, study the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. But these speak of me. Or another version says, the scriptures testify about me. What scriptures is he talking about? The only ones that existed in John when in the time he spoke in John chapter 5. The Old Testament scriptures. He says the Old Testament scriptures speak about me. They speak about him in prophecy. They speak about him in type. They speak about him in need. They speak of him in song. They speak of him in proverb. They speak of him in prophecy. All the Old Testament scriptures speak of Jesus. In Acts chapter 8, verse 35 especially, but in Acts chapter 8, a eunuch from Ethiopia has been to worship as best he can in Jerusalem, and he's going back reading from a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And as he reads, he's wondering about who does the prophet speak? And Philip comes and joins himself, the chariot gets on board, and from that scripture preaches unto him Jesus. It wouldn't have mattered what scripture the eunuch was reading. Any scripture in the Old Testament points to Christ. And whatever he'd been reading, he'd been wondering. He would have been wondering about what it spoke because it was not yet fulfilled. But Philip began from that scripture and preached unto him Jesus. So we need to study the Old Testament to learn all of the pointers, all of the predictions, all of the prophecies about Christ. The fourth reason is not a real biblical reason, but an important reason to study it. The Old Testament history is the only reliable history of that period of time. Will S. Durant, 
a histor historian and a philosopher. And his wife, Ariel, wrote a set of books called The Philosophy of Civilization, or The History of Civilization. And in the first volume of that book, which Will S. Durant wrote by himself, called Our Oriental Heritage, early in that book, discussing an ancient empire called Sumer, he says the only accurate history of this period of time is found in the Old Testament scriptures of the Bible. And the man, that, the man at the time he spoke that was not even a true believer. He was a searcher, but he did not yet believe in God. He was not an atheist, but he was an agnostic, and he did not believe in God. But he says that's the only reliable history we have of that period of time. Now, that's only interesting. That's more than interesting. It shows that God recorded history when no one else did. He speaks of the Hittite nation when no one else did. He spoke of the Sumerian when no one else did. He told of things in the Bible that when we have found archaeological proof, every single statement of Old Testament history has been proven not only to be correct, but to be in the right chronological and historical order. The Bible is the only reliable history for the old times. Number five, back to a biblical reason. We need to study the Old Testament to gain examples on how to live and how not to live. Turn to the book of James, chapter 5. And let's see James, as he speaks of this very point, as he talks about we need to take for an example the prophets. James chapter 5, beginning with verse 10. James 5, beginning with verse 10. He said, Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of passion and mercy. Isn't that interesting? That he says, if we are to have the kind of example of how to endure trial, how to bear up under persecution and suffering and ridicule, we need to take for example, the prophets. We, he's, he just believes they've heard of Job's patience. You know, I'd heard of Job's patience all my life. But I always thought that that meant he was a man that lived without complaint, that just bore whatever came to him stoically, that had the ability just to bear and bear and bear without any, without any self uh, trying, to, trying to justify himself or any accusation of God. But then one day I read the book of Job, and I was surprised. I mean, here was a person that complained about his, his circumstance in life. He was a leper out on a, out on a trash heap, and he didn't deserve to be there. And he was right. He did not deserve to be there. He probably deserved worse than that. But he didn't deserve to be there. And he complained to God. Where are you, God? I look for you and I can't find you. You fill me full of your arrows. I complain to you. I just wish you'd come so you and I could debate this thing out. And I'd present my case. And, I, and all of a sudden I said, this is patience. But then I saw the rest of the story. As James says here, you've seen the end of the Lord. You've seen the final outcome. And the final outcome, Job finally turns it over to God. And he says, Lord, I don't understand it. I mean, I'm on this ash heap, and I don't think I deserve to be here. But I, I've just got faith in you. I'm just going to sit here and wait for your answer. 
And as soon as that's Job's reply, as soon as Job repents of his sin of questioning God, God turned his case. He prayed for the friends that had also ridiculed him and rebuked him. And he was twice rich. He had twice as much at the end than he had at the beginning. You've heard of the patience of Job. So when the trials come and you're complaining, when you're feeling like complaining, take your complaint to God. Complain to God. Don't complain about God. Persevere. Keep your faith in God. See how the Old Testament then is really a life principle. It deals with how to work with the circumstances of life. Then in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul goes into even a larger and a longer discussion about this idea of the Old Testament being our example. If you'll start with verse 1 with me, we'll just read through about verse 10 or so. For I would not have you ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers, that'd be the Jews, were all under the cloud. They all passed through the sea. They were all baptized under Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered over the desert. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our heart on evil things as they did. That's a negative example. James gave us a positive example of the prophets in Job. Now Paul is giving us the Jews as a negative example that we should not do what they did in the wilderness. What is that? Do not be idolaters as some of them were. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to indulge in pagan revelry. Number two, do not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 died. Number three, we should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes. Number four, do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. He says, don't be idolaters. Don't be sexually immoral. Do not test or try the Lord. Do not grumble and complain about what the Lord is doing in your life. Learn from them not to do those things. These things happened to them as examples, but they were written down as warnings for us upon whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. History is not written down for the people it happened to. It's written down for the people it will follow. We need to study the Old Testament history. James says to learn how to persevere and be patient as the prophets in Job were. And Paul says not to sin as they sinned. We need to study the Old Testament history to gain examples, both good and bad. Number six, turn to Romans chapter 15, verse four. And Paul will make a blanket statement about what everything in the Old Testament was written to teach us. Romans chapter 15, verse four. He says, whatever was written aforetime was written for our learning that through patience and comfort of the scriptures we might have hope. Notice, whatever. One version says all of the things. Another version says everything. Every single thing that was written in the Old Testament, whatever was written, was written for our learning. The Old Testament, one more time. The Old Testament was not written for the Old Testament people. The Old Testament was written for us. That's what Paul said. Every single thing written down was written down for us 
Now, what's it supposed to do for us? It's supposed to give us patience and comfort and hope. And how would it do that? Well, that's what we're going to study for 48 lessons. We're going to study how the Old Testament does that. It does that by presenting God's blessings upon Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It does that by letting us look for a long time at the nations of Israel and Judah and seeing that every time they did good and right, God blessed them. And every time they did evil, God cursed them so that we can have hope that God, if he disciplines us with, with judgment, will do it only out of his love. We'll do it only to bring us to repentance. And we'll see David as an example of what God will do for a repenting and a repentant sinner. Over and over again, we're going to see people that will enable us to hang in when everything else says let go. When it looks like God is, does not love us and is not for us, the Old Testament will tell us about another person that God is working in their life. And if we were taken away, snatched away from our family into a foreign land, we have the example of Daniel, Esther, and others that in captivity were used greatly by God and fulfilled the work and the purpose of God. We will learn in the sacrificial system how all those things pointed to the death of Christ. We will see in the prophecies, even when they were predicting of Israel and Judah's destruction, that in all of that there was a promise that God is still there that God is still working on their behalf, that the Messiah will come, that no matter how black the night, joy comes in the morning. And that's what the Old Testament was written to say. Every single thing in the Old Testament, Paul says, was written for our example, for our learning, for our comfort, for our patience. For a last reason, turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. And let's see that the Old Testament was written as a light shining in a dark place. I need light when I'm in dark. In 2 Peter 1, beginning with verse 16, 2 Peter 1, 16, read with me. We did not follow cleverly invented stories, myths, when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mount. I want you to notice that Peter said he and the other apostles had first-hand witness. They saw him. They heard him. They touched him. But now notice verse 19. That's a good witness, isn't it? An eyewitness. It says, but we have the word of prophecy made more certain. What's the word more certain than? What's the Old Testament fulfilled prophetic word more certain than? If we, than if we'd seen it and heard it. It said, we've got an eyewitness and we've got an ear witness, but we've got a more certain witness than that. That is the word of the prophets. And he says, you will do well to pay attention to it, the prophetic word as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of men, man. But men spoke from God 
as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's one of the most interesting bits of Scripture in all the Bible to me. Because to have an eyewitness, to see Jesus as he healed the sick, to have an ear witness, to hear him as he preached the great Sermon on the Mount, must have been, above all, the most fabulous experience of one's life. And it would be an experience perhaps beyond mine. But I have a more sure witness than that. I have a more sure testimony to Jesus than if I'd seen him and if I'd heard him. And that is the fulfilled word of God. That's the main reason I study the Old Testament. To have the better witness about Christ. The more sure witness about Jesus. And that becomes a light in a dark day. Have you ever been somewhere where it's really dark, like down deep in a cavern or uh, a cave or uh, in a big, huge forest or where there's the trees keep even the moon and the stars from shining upon you? And you just have a small light with you, but it seems so big. I was in that situation one time and the batteries went dead. I stumbled, I fell because I was without light. People are stumbling and falling in the world today because they do not have the light from God. That's why we're going to study the Old Testament history. Now, history divides itself in the last minute or so here of our lesson together today. The history divides itself biblically into several categories. First of all, there's a prologue. And that's from Genesis chapter 1 through Genesis chapter 11, verse 9, as there's a revelation of the fact that there's a divine redeeming purpose. And then Act 1, is the Old Testament from Genesis 11:10 through Malachi 4:6, and that shows the unfolding of divine redemption, as he, as God calls from Abraham a divine family, makes that family into a divine nation, and that nation becomes a divine remnant when they come back out of captivity. And, there's a, and then there's Act Two, in our play here, the New Testament from Matthew through Jude. And that's the unfolding of divine redemption. And there's the introduction of it in the Gospels as we look at Christ and the progress of it in the book of Acts. And then finally, Revelation gives a consummation of divine redemption. As there's a vision of grace, Christ is Lord of the church. A vision of government, Christ is Lord of the earth. And a vision of glory, Christ is the Lord of eternity. History is His story. It is the story of Christ. Stay with us. And we'll see Jesus in every single lesson. God bless you.